Hi, everybody. This is Jim Cornette, pro wrestling legend, and you're listening to the Book in the Territory Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. Who messy distance professional wrestler Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wicker Man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare, don't you dare miss Booking the Territory. Oh, yeah. This is a one-man gang. You're listening to Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of Booking the Territory, the unprofessional wrestling podcast. Tonight, we're talking some NWA Saturday night from June the 13th, 1987, and Bruce Mitchell from PWTorch.com returns, and we're going to have a talk about what goes down in this episode uh, related to Dusty and Tully for the NWA World TV title and the $100,000 that was stolen, but we'll get to that shortly. For the time being, I'm sitting here, we're getting a late start because... Hopper was taking a shit. Uh, Doc, how you doing, man? You shitting. good? What? Are you good, Doc? This may be the last show we ever do between Skype being a real complete piece of shit. Yeah, fuck that. And then this Cajun asshole over here that takes shits at showtime. Fuck, I ain't Cajun, bro. <laughs> Close enough. You're you're my representation of Cajun. Right. <laughs> For a guy from Texas, you're Cajun. That's nice. But Harper's bowels, Harper's bowels get active at show that when the red light comes on. <laughs> this may be our last show ever. And do you want to explain why, how late we're getting started? Dude, it's 7.18. We're supposed to start at 7. What the fuck? <laughs> we shouldn't even do this. <laughs> that, that 18 minutes is killing Doc. <laughs> uh, all right. I just get paid for this. Jesus <laughs> hey, on the good side, though. Before we find out how Harper's doing, my team's back on track for 15-1, and one, and y'all motherfuckers almost lost to the Browns. I know, huh? The fuck? That was some dicey I, shit for y'all, huh? I don't know what you're talking about. I saw a competitive football game and between two great teams, and uh, the better team seemed to come out on top. This is completely in contradiction to you texting me during... Hard knocks with the Cleveland Browns saying Hugh Jackson's going to get his black ass fired before week six. I never said anything of the sort. Shit. Okay, you're making stuff up. All right, the doc. So can you stop? Let me let me help you out. Let me help you out here. Uh, hey Harper, how's it going? I'm doing great, sir. Okay, sir. That's interesting. You've been uh, knocking out some ass this week or something? Nah. Harper. Okay. Harper. Uh, <laughs> um. Longtime listener and BTT Hall of Fame patron, uh, Kevin Ryan, sent me something. I need you to read it. I need you to pull it up. While I take care of some right. business, I want you to look up on Urban Dictionary, Space Doc Fondue. That space is, Doc. Yeah, like D-O-C-K, not D-O-C. Oh, and, then okay. fond, and then Fondue is F-O-N-D-U-E. Jesus. This doesn't sound good. It's I need to start making some of these up with Santa, man. <laughs> it's terrible. It's so terrible. Harper, while you're doing that, let me take care of some business for the group. Uh, first off, I want to mention that uh, I was a guest on the, uh, I guess it's the Bogota podcast, the Eye of Gibson podcast with Mr. Wonky Eye, Fake Stan Lane, and PN News Jr. 
And uh, guys, I want to thank you for the payday and the two bottles of Hennessy you shipped to me for my trouble. So uh, shout out to the I of Gibson at Fake Stan Lane and PN News Jr. So uh, thank you. Appreciate the money and I appreciate the Hennessy uh, for your troubles uh, for having me on. And then uh, if you haven't already done so, make sure you go check out our Facebook group. Go to uh, just search Book in the Territory dash the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. It's a great little community. Lots of unprofessional activity. Hopper talks about banging broads on there and just utter chaos and craziness as you would expect from a group uh, dubbed for the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast book in the territory. And then lastly, uh, before Hopper reads the Space Doc Fondue Urban Dictionary definition, thank you to new Hall of Famers or uh, and uh, Hall of Fame patrons Brian Evans, who jumped up to the Hall of Fame patron level. Chris Meyer, longtime listener, he became a patron and is now a Hall of Fame patron member as well. He is at Poboy in Cali on Twitter. And then lastly, longtime friend of mine and longtime listener, at J Bryant025. He's been listening to the show for a long time and now he's a Hall of Fame patron. So thank you all for becoming patrons. Don't forget to download the patron only shows on an app of your choice with the link that you got from patreon when you signed up all right hopper are you ready do you have space doc fondue this is this <laughs> yeah is, this is beyond what we're used to this yeah, is nasty okay. bro go ahead it's a version of the classic space doc generally generally reserved for party situations here one female is chosen to serve as the fondue pot. One male who has taken a gentle laxative shits watery diarrhea into the woman's vagina. Th- thrust, thus, thus filling, thus filling the what the fuck, bro? Filling the space dock f- fondue pot. Next, each man at the party takes turns and dipping his hard pole into the fondue pot, covering it with shit. Finally, each man's partner licks the feces off his shit-encrusted cock as if it was a chocolate-covered fucking banana. What the fuck? <laughs> Some sick shit. Who creates... White people are gross. Yeah, that's your people, Doc. God. Oh, God. I know. Huh? <laughs> there, there is nothing there. Let me let me just say this. This is Doc's rule of slap and tickle number one. There ain't nothing sexy about shit. No, I never got that whole. Yeah, I'm gonna fuck you in the ass. Why? <laughs> well, if it's clean up there, it's you know leather. Yeah, shirt. if okay. if if yeah. Uh, you'd rather you'd rather just take the hole that the Lord built for it, right? Yeah, I, I mean, fuck, <laughs> it's right there. It's just it's fucking right there. Well, okay, talking no, anything there? No, I don't know anybody's doing that. And, and really, what has? Yeah, that's some made up shit. Somebody submitted that, and that, that's how that got put up. Nobody's doing that, and, bro. That's come on. And what is? <laughs> What has this podcast become? What kind of people are we hanging out with? And I guess <laughs> Mike's a little tardy in saying, make sure none of the, <laughs> make sure the kids in the car have earmuffs before you. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Uh. Well, I mean, we start the top of the show every time with the unprofessional wrestling podcast, so they they they've yeah, been I can just see some warned. Ki- I can just see some kid. 
some dude and his nine year you know nine year old kid and his dad and they're in the car to go run some jackass errands for their fat ass wife. And they're like, oh, this is a wrestling podcast. I'm pretty sure they'll talk about Ron Smackdown. And the next thing you know, our <laughs> <laughs> reading about whatever that was. Space Doc We're going to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Space no, Doc. I mean I know uh, one time the I of Gibson, he had tweeted to me saying that he was listening to the show once in the car uh, with I, either one or two of his kids. And, and he was like, yeah, I made it like two minutes. And I was like, oh, okay, I got to turn this off. So first, it happens. First of all, first of all, that asshole has kids. <laughs> and second of all, and even more disturbing, those assholes have a podcast. <laughs> if you want to call it that. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. I appreciate that's the, all, that's the all money I, I got PayPal. I appreciate that. Wow. Well, yeah. Nobody pay. Nobody. You don't. You shouldn't have to pay to get blown. Whoa. Okay. Uh. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's. Uh. Doc, you got anything for else before we get into the NWA well, part of the show? I was just going to lead that down. Well, I was going to lead that down another rabbit hole. One of our listeners had about. Pulling a train on a hooker in the military and then munching on her box. Whoa. Oh, my God. You want to tell? Do, do you really want to? <laughs> Go ahead, Doc. Well, apparently, apparently, Mount Airy's finest, the, the filthy Phil, he told, he told Mike that when he was in the Navy, they all went over to Italy and pulled a train on a hooker and the 11th man into the octagon <laughs> Decided he wanted to munch some box. Oh God! <laughs> you want to go munch a foreign hooker's box after ten of your buddies dropped a load in it? You should never munch on any fucking prostitute's vagina. Ah, uh. <laughs> good rule. Good rule to live by. Okay, uh, maybe now we can get into the show. How's that sound, Doc? Uh. <laughs> I think we need a palate cleanser here. This is this may be the filthiest pre pre you know open, open show open we've done. Well, Mike started. Sure did, man. You need to I, stop listening to these people in there. We started it when we started that Urban Dictionary stupidity. It started with the old Craigslist ads, and then it morphed into the freaking uh, stupidity of Urban Dictionary. So we 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 are to blame for this. Let's put that out there. It, it this has nothing to do with the listeners. We we started this. So, all right, let's uh, let's get into it. Okay, let's Hold get on, into let it. Uh, okay, are you done? Can I can I keep going? You can always keep going. We could have kept all going right. on top, but I'd have been in a better mood, asshole. So here we are. We're doing Saturday night. NWA on TBS, June 13th, 1987. We're sponsored by you, the patron. If you're not a patron, become one. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash Patreon BTT. It is a great way to support this show and get lots and lots of extra content, including the world-class shows and any pre-shows that we post and any other extra shows like the Bruce Mitchell interview. Uh, it was posted a couple of weeks early right after I did it for patrons. So, again, it's tinyurl.com slash Patreon BTT. We jump into the show opening. Uh, they show Tully making his way to the ring with JJ and Dark Journey looking scrumptious to face I Dusty. Know, huh? Oh my God, she was looking good, bro. Her titties, damn good. Uh, uh, uh. But anyway, doesn't that make you want to fund? Doesn't that make you want to fund do space docker? No, it doesn't. I'd prefer That's, not to. Yeah. 
But anyway, they're heading to the ring to battle Dusty for the NWA World TV title in $100,000. Dusty and Magnum also make their way to the ring with the bag full of money. And then we go to a show opening where Crockett and Shivani open a show. Ronnie Garvin comes out and cuts a, cuts a quick promo. Nothing much to it. But Crockett says later on the, in this episode, we will see the whole match with Dusty in its entirety against Tully. So that was the opening. Doc, do you have anything from that opening? I want to see that match, dude. Yep, me too. Harper, what about you? Yeah, fuck yeah. So the next match, they don't go straight to the big match. They go to Kendall Windham versus Art Pritz. Kendall Windham wins quickly. Doc, you said you had to say something about this, so I'll throw it to you first. Is he the skin? Is Kendall Williams Windham the skinniest wrestler of all time? I don't know, Harper. What do you think? Kendall Williams Windham. Yeah, Windham. I don't. I he makes. Him. He makes Sam Houston look like Lex Luger. Wow. Fuck, he's that skinny? Well, let me right. let me, let me me help people out. Harper couldn't get the episode to play. He was having issues with no, the network. The, the fucking, he, here's the thing. You know what pisses me off? You pay for the network and it doesn't work? Bruh, I don't pay for Netflix. I got that shit. I don't pay for Hulu. I, I, I got that shit. And it works fine. I got HBO Go. None of that shit I pay for. The one goddamn thing I, I pay for doesn't fucking work when I want it to. Uh, all right, so Kendall Winham. So, again, Harper hey. didn't see. No, 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 I'm going to stop something else real quick because you never let me do a doc spotlight this week. Okay, go ahead. I have a spotlight. Hey, all man, right. there's a listener out there. I, just to prove once again that I, not Mike, I, Doc, is the – and the champion of the people and of the working man. Take a swig for the working man. I'm going to shout out this week uh, a listener, a BTT listener, Carl Johnson, I think is his name. He said he's an overhaul, overnight overhaul, I don't know, whatever, 18-wheeler driver, probably in my left lane. Now I'm starting to get angry at him. But uh, he's a truck driver that says we help him get through uh, his long hauls when he's in the cab of the truck, probably getting blown by a, a truck stop hooker. And uh, we'll just give him a shout out. He's, he's probably cutting uh, in the left lane, driving slow and pissing people off. Good job, Carl. <laughs> he's like the guy in that old uh, Alabama song. Uh, uh, yeah. You know what I love I'm talking it, Doc. about. I love it, Doc. You, 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 in an attempt to play heel, you just fuck it up again, as you always do. All 18-wheelers get on my nerves when they get in the left lane. That shit's reserved for, for people who want to drive 10 over the speed limit. Yeah, not your passing lane. Yeah. They all think, oh, I can pass this other 18-wheeler up this hill, and then they start rolling backwards because they don't know <laughs> what they're doing. <laughs> for okay. a fucking limit, but they don't know how to drive. Okay, we're talking NWA Saturday night. What does that have to do with anything? Except for you, Carl. Unlike Mike, I'm sure you're one of the good ones. So let's get back to Kendall Windham. Doc, is that all you had to say about Kendall Windham, him being the skinniest wrestler you've ever seen? And I, I was hoping that Harper had seen the show. This would make no. more sense, but it'll be it'll be it'll be okay. Kendall Windham here looks like Ian Ziering. Oh, really? Yeah. No, he doesn't. Do you know who that is, Mike? Yeah, Mike, that's a dude from that that's is. a dude from nine hundred two one zero. Whoa, check out the white privilege on Mike. Yeah, Steve Sanders was his name, and then he went on yeah. to Sharknado fame. Yep. He now, still looks the same. Does. Kendall, meanwhile. Bah, that eight. fucking Jewish broad looks like shit now. Yeah. She's about 60. Yeah. Kendall, 
Kendall, though, aged considerably in his time in prison. What are you going to prison for? Counterfeiting with his father. Oh, oh that wow. That's nice. Counterfeiting <laughs> money. They went to prison. I don't know how else to soft shoe that. <laughs> Can we finally they move past Kendall Wyndham? We've been on Kendall Wyndham for eight minutes now. Well, shit, yeah, the War Games is coming, pal. All right. Well, first, before War Games, they do go to Rock and Roll Express. It's a quick promo. Ricky Morton talks about, you know, them being the tag champs. We talked about that a lot last week. And then they talk about Dusty. They got his back, blah, blah, blah. They then go to a promo, and hopefully this thing plays. Now, I couldn't find this anywhere on YouTube. So, uh, again, we're having network issues, as usual, it seems. But let me play it now. This is a Great American Bash in the Match Beyond update from Jim Crockett Jr. Here it is. Okay, fans, we're back with Mr. Jim Crockett, president of Jim Crockett Promotions, talking about the Great American Bash. As you know, last week we talked to you about the Great American Bash on tour in the month of July, beginning July 1st in Lakeland, Florida, the Civic Center, and going to the best and biggest cities all over the country, San Francisco, Los Angeles, at the Cap Center in Landover, Maryland this year, Dallas, Fort Worth area, you will see the Great American Bash, and of course the very last Great American Bash will be the Orange Bowl in Miami at the end of July. But last week, Mr. Crockett, we talked about July 4th, a very special date for you in Atlanta. And you talked about the match beyond. And, I mean, the phone has been ringing off the hook this week. Letters pouring in about what is the match beyond. The match beyond will be in Atlanta, Georgia, July the 4th. There will be two rings surrounded by a cage, one cage around both rings, and then a top put on the cage. No way in, no way out except through the doors. There will be ten participants in it. But before the match beyond can begin, we're going to have the war games. We start with five contestants on each side, the captain of each team, and each team is Dusty Rhodes, Nikita what? Koloff, the Road Warriors, and Paul Ellering against the four horsemen and James J. Dillon. The captains pick who start. They wrestle for five minutes. At the end of five minutes, a contestant who will be decided by a coin toss enters. So you'll have two on one. Two minutes later, a man from the other side. Two minutes later, a man, until all ten contestants are in the ring. And then the match beyond begins, and they wrestle until one man on one team either surrenders or submits. It is certainly a match that has never been done in professional wrestling. Congratulations. It's going to be an exciting night at the Omni. Thank you, Tony. And, by the way, Tommy Young will not be assigned to any match that Dusty Rhodes is involved in until this investigation is over. Okay. Some words from Mr. Jim Crockett. Jimmy, thank you. They're building a cage. They're building a dome of steel in Atlanta. A cage to enclose the match beyond the war games. Witness the might of giants when the dreaded four horsemen clash with the force of the superpowers. Ten men will enter, only five will leave. In all right, it froze. Uh, Doc, thoughts on the promo? I'm not about to deal with that. I can play the rest of the promos from the from YouTube. Uh, but what you got, Doc? Uh, so am I the only one that thought Jim Crockett had no idea what he was trying to talk about there? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm confused. And then, and then you think, what if Shivani just said, Jim, this sounds like a bullshit version of the Royal Rumble. Yeah, that's basically what it sounds like. Uh, yeah. I kind of think we're, here's the thing: War Games is awesome, but it's also overrated. 
Things can be awesome and overrated at the same time. Yeah, Harper, what did you think about war games, just in general? Oh, uh, as a kid, you're like, look at this fucking shit. Yeah. It so huge with the two rings, that huge cage. It, it had all the bells and whistles, but the engine didn't fucking run. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it was just, to, to me, it was all paint job. It looked like it was a big, you know, a big, great thing. But when you look back at it now, it's just, it's like, man, this is a whole lot of. All lot show, of no go. Exactly. It's all paint job. It's what a bunch of foolishness. Well, but I, I do think, was it 91 or 92? We were talking about that. We did a, we did a patron episode on it. The one with Austin, Austin hits the gusher, Steamboat tinted. Awesome. Remember remember that one, Doc? Yeah, I said it's awesome, but it's also overrated. Well, what my where I was going with that was I thought like that one was really good. I can't sit there and tell you that when I first heard about War Games on general that it was like something I was like, Oh but I mean Harbor makes okay. a point when you're when you're a kid and you see that fu- the two cages and the two rings, you're like, Holy shit, this is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you this. They okay, so that, that voice was kind of goofy when they did that promo. But let's be real. That video was way better than you would think JCP could pull off in terms of production value in nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, that video was was top notch. Harper, if you ever if you can get that shit to work, it's good to go back and watch. They're actually gonna play it a few times actually over the next few weeks, but that video was, was really, really good. It was a nice video package. I even I think was shocked. Money. I was like, "Yeah, I was like, dude, that looks slick for them." Yeah, Shivani even put it over uh, on one of his shows. I remember him talking about the the video package for it the first time. He thought it was really, really good. All right. So, uh, uh, any anything else, Doc? From you, Harper? I know you 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 just heard it. What did yeah. you? Anything else? I tell you, if I was a kid watching and fucking listening to this shit, it would have really. You know, pulled me in. That's true, because it's ten guys, and they're going to be in this double cage, and yeah, I agree. And it's ten; it's it's the ten biggest guys in the in the uh, in the uh, promotion too. Yeah, I mean, you Barry got Dusty. Minute. Who did Barry's he name? In it, huh? No, no, no. He named uh. Oh, fuck, man! I hate being put on a spot. I fuck this you shit see, up, bro. The Road Warriors, Dusty. Is this why it took you 25 years to get a bachelor's degree? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, it was just one of those things, you pressure, know, where... Uh, the pressure got to you. Bro, I struggled. I ain't gonna lie. It was tough, man. <laughs> yeah, but at the end, at the end, it wasn't the hard, it was the hard work. It was keeping your old ass awake to do the homework, huh? Oh, my God. Yeah, man, that shit was, uh, it was brutal, dog. All right, so... So it's the Road Warriors, it's Dusty, it's Nikita, and Magnum TA. That's Paul Ellering, dude. So right. there's no Ron Garvin, there's no Stan Lane, and there's no uh, uh, Barry that's Wyndham. That's not true. So. That's not true. You're thinking it's just one match. It wasn't just. It wasn't just one match. They did multiple ones oh. in '87. Okay. So like, like Garvin was in it on on some of them, and Barry was in it on but some. You want to be. Okay, would you want to be in a War Games match with Ron Garvin? 
No. No, no. Because uh-uh. it's, yeah, it's all strikes. That God. motherfuckers break his hand on your face. Yeah, fuck, man. <laughs> You're right. It is all strikes. I mean, that's it. Like, if you if you have if you're a patron, go go listen to the one where we talked about that ninety. Is it ninety one or ninety two? I can't remember. But that that fucking war games was fucking fantastic. Those dudes got after it. I mean, it was balls to the wall. You literally had ten fucking superstars in there. It was it was great. Uh, all right, let's keep going since um, we got a match to talk about here. The next part of the show is the big match on this week's episode, and it is Tully versus Dusty for the NWA World TV title, and $100,000 is also on the line. Now, uh, Doc, I got some notes, but I figure I'll throw it to you first, and then you and Harper, we can all discuss it here, uh, what y'all had from it, and then we'll talk about the, I guess, finish once you once we decide to get to it. So, uh, Doc, what did you have? Remember the revisionist history that all of us would have had even as close as two and a half years ago when you'd be like, man, you just didn't get title matches on Saturday night. Yeah, no, this was a because because the matches after this last like two seconds. Yeah. It's those like little shitty squash matches. I guarantee you every time I tuned in on it, got in front of a TV that had cable on a Saturday night, they never showed this shit. Yeah, really, huh? <laughs> It was. I, I guarantee you, every week it was Art Pritz versus Mike Force. I think the problem, Doc, is you and I, we only got to see it about 50% of the time. Uh, the other 50% Shit. of the time, we weren't by Grandma or our aunt's house to be able to see, yeah. uh, see it. That was. I'd say I got to see it about a third of the time if I was lucky. I well, I was my trying child, to, you know. My childhood I was trying to be nice ass. about it. I, my childhood sucked, Mike. There's I'll no tell way you what, around though, it. Harper, I like Harper's story about watching wrestling as a kid, though, better than anything. Because Harper said his mom used to come outside on Saturday afternoon and go, wrestling's on! <laughs> <laughs> That's actually awesome when you think about it. Kids nowadays will never know that joy when their parents come no. onto the porch and yell for them to come inside for something. That shit don't yeah. happen no more. Mm-hmm. My kid no. walked into the room the other night and said, can you fire up the network so that we can watch some Undertaker matches? Oh, wow. That's Jeez, his outside. Son. Huh? That's his version of outside. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let's go pull up what I want to see right now from at any point in history. Right. And if I miss it, then who gives a fuck? Because I can see it whatever the fuck I want. And your kid's yeah, white. He's, got, he's white True. and got on-demand access to anything. He's fucking white privilege to the bro. to the core. Fuck! I remember running inside to watch the A team, and, and if you missed it, sucks to be you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Doc. What else you got from the from this title match? Okay, so um, you did. I, I don't have a timestamp, but at some point, it looked like Tully. One of them hit a DDT on the other one, and Tony didn't know what to call it. I don't have that in my notes, but that doesn't shock me at this yeah. point. Yeah. Okay. Well, did you see Tully get pinned? At the end? I did. No. It's at the 2015 mark. Tully's shoulders were down for three. Oh, for the the the, uh, the backslide. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He wasn't out. <laughs> right. I mean, you hear the, all the old-timers, hell, back in my day, if you couldn't kick out, we just cut three and kept going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, bro. That just sounds good, right, Doc? But is it real? It was uphill both ways. It was uphill both ways to school, too, wasn't it, Brian? Yeah. 
and you lived in the in South Florida and it snowed during the winter and you walked in twelve inches of snow right. to school every day. <laughs> right. Okay. So <laughs> I, here's the thing, man. But the thing of it is, is that Tully is so good at his role. And to be fair, for all the all the criticisms of Dusty through this time, Dusty could still get in the ring and deliver on the on the goods. He hit that fucking crisp slap uh slingshot on him i i don't know if i like the finish but it worked for me i think so there you go it set up some good comedy we'll talk about in a minute yeah i was thinking thinking, okay so that's a dusty finish yeah sort of this is it where the guy wins but he didn't win what else what else did you have well I, i i was thinking okay well his uh, foot's on a rope, but, you know, who gives a shit, right? It was one, two, three. He put his foot up on a rope fucking afterwards. He's a champion, and <laughs> then, that's, then fucking they stole the money from fucking poor old Magnum sitting there w- with his cane. He got distracted <laughs> by the fine-ass black chick, and there goes fucking JJ. It's not the last fucking night. <laughs> hey, Mike, not the first time a white man exactly. been offside by some brown sugar, huh? Right. <laughs> Mike's, Mike's like, Magnum, I know exactly what you're going through. <laughs> Don't feel bad. <laughs> That's why fucking Dusty hugged him at the end. He's like, bro, I know, know exactly what you're going through, bro. <laughs> it's all right. Me and, Dickie, me and Dickie Murdoch ran through some of that in the 70s. <laughs> okay, so. Oh, oh, I, oh. And did you notice how many cops were around him? Uh, yeah. When they grabbed that money and fucking ran out of there, too. So, Doc, you want to tell Hopper, you were kind of telling me earlier today what you thought about when when J.J. grabbed the bag. Man, when they pulled that move and J.J. swung around there and made off with that sack, I came unglued. That was fucking, he, that was, that was my favorite moment of the entire show was he fucking made a beeline for that money and just kind of stopped. Like a damn criminal, man. He just kind of saw her. He started walking slowly and then just took off. <laughs> that shit was, I mean, he kind of looked like the same version. Remember, like, episode three, Mike, of Smoky Mountain, where after Ron Wright handed yes. the cool off, the, the next shot is him rolling out the back. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he gave, I know what you're talking about. He gave Dutch, like, a gimmick. For like his hand, like a brass knuckle or something, and I yeah. think I think Dutch went to use it, and I think Primetime Brian Lee actually get, got it from him, and then Primetime Brian Lee hits Dutch, but they literally show Ron Wright slowly in his wheelchair rolling away from the scene of the crime, and the the cinematography of it was perfect because Ron was being built up as this nasty old heel, and you know out to get them and. It was just, it, it literally was like, like you said, an old person or somebody slowly trying to get away to not tip off that they committed a crime, but to like, you know, walk off cool. It is the same thing. That's what JJ did before he took off. I, I, I did. I popped. I came unglued. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. JJ was good there. All right. So here's the thing. I don't, I, about the way this finish goes. So what Doc and Hopper are describing Tully's got his leg up on the third rope, but it happens after the pinfall. So at first, it appears Dusty wins, 
but he doesn't. Tommy Young is like, no, 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 no. You know, we're going to restart the match. When they restart the match, Dusty is out, literally outside the arena, trying to chase down JJ because JJ stole a fucking hundred thousand dollars worth of cash. Well, fifty thousand in cash and fifty is a check. And uh, Dusty ends up losing by countout. Therefore, Tully actually retains the belt. Um, I'm gonna. Bruce Mitchell is going to tell a very interesting story about what happened that night. At least from his point of view, uh, and what he's been told by Tommy Young, because he interviewed Tommy Young about this. In the meantime, uh, I'll try to play this. Uh, Dusty comes back into the ring and has something to say about JJ leaving with his money, and this is after Dusty's counted out. Here it is. Jim Crockett, I want my money! My money's mine! Jim Crockett, you get my money from right now! Whoa. Yeah, he wasn't too happy. Um, Dusty really sold it there, or did he? I'll leave that to your interpretation. Do we know exactly what he said there? Oh, yeah, he said, I want my fucking money. No, he said, I want my fucking money. He did? I think he said, I want my fucking money. And then he said, you son of a bitch. Bro, you can read his lips. He called him. The second bleep was was him calling uh, Jim Crockett or or, or JJ a son of a bitch. Okay. He called. Well, okay, Doc. About about Dark Journey. No. Ooh. No, he he definitely did swear though. Okay, so Doc, anything from Dusty right there before we go to the Tommy Young interview in the back? Well, that is a. In today's money, that is two hundred and twenty-two thousand dollars. Not that a hundred thousand dollars, man. But uh, yeah, it's almost a quarter of a million dollars that's walking out the door. Wow! Just a, that's a just a little cash. Bag. And, and a fucking piggly wiggly bag. Right. <laughs> Secured in a brown paper sack. Well, I actually thought the same I, thing, I, Harper. I get I get nervous carrying my six pack of beer bottles out of the store in a sack like that. They got a quarter of a million dollars coming out. Yeah. Alright. So Doc, anything else before we go to the next promo? Is this in the back? Yeah, this is first it's gonna be Shivani, Magnum, and Dusty uh first, and then yeah. it's followed by Tommy Young. Okay, so let's go to that right now. Here it is. Okay. okay, obviously pandemonium in the ring. Chaos, of course, back in the dressing room. I went back to try to see Tommy Young, and I walked to the dressing room of Dusty Rhodes along with Magnum. Let's go back to the dressing room. Okay, we're in the dressing room. Dusty Rhodes and Magnum just arriving back. The count was made. One, two, three. We all saw it. And then as Dusty chased, here's Magnum back. As Dusty chased James J. Dillon, who had stolen the money out of the building, Tommy Young, Wanted the match to continue. Magnum is in here. Magnum, we all saw the count one, two, three. I don't know what happened. He had him beat. I was up. I was, everything was great. Everything was going our way. Dusty, you, you, we all, you had him pinned one, two, three. And then when you left the building, the match to continue. Yeah. What the going on here? 
I have no. We have not been able to talk to Tommy Young at this time. I'm sorry I lost the money. I'm sorry. Hey, don't worry about the money. Don't worry about the money. Look, I'll do something. I'll get the money back. All right? You're in no shape to get the money back. You know what I mean? You know I get out of here. Get out of here. All right, you want to talk about this first, Harper or Doc, before we keep going to Tommy Young's part? Yes. Yeah. Okay, go go ahead, Doc. You first. Bruh, I think I think we found that the cameraman there is the same cameraman from Smoky Mountain that showed the little retarded child. <laughs> that was dirty, man. That was a rib, right? They made Magnum come down the stairs. He comes out of the shower, and then Shivani and the cameraman make him hobble down that step. I think it was un- I don't think so. I think it was unintentional. Bruh, that made because that made Magnum seem all, and then Magnum was so pitiful with the "I'm sorry, Dusty, I yeah. lost money." Boy, he sold that shit mm, when he's crying and on his shoulder. He's all bro- he's all broken down and skinny, and dude, he's super skinny, huh? And then. He lost the money, dude. Tell me he's not sympathetic right there. Yeah. He's like the no, Cleveland just... Browns kicker. Somebody, oh, needs to... <laughs> Somebody needs to give that dude Magnum some fucking European blood stem cell treatments and get him back in the ring. Let's make some money. I'm just going to say this because y'all haven't obviously heard the part with Bruce Mitchell yet. I'm not so sure Dusty wasn't really pissed off right now. Based on what Bruce told me, uh, like as in him really, really, not, I don't know if he's really selling this or if he's really mad at something that went down this night. And that's all I'll say. Um, Whoa! Because I can't say anymore. Well, uh, well why do you I mean, need to show if we're just if we don't. I know just what think we it's talk about. My opinion of what is going on here is is I don't want to say tainted, but it's affected by uh, some things Bruce told me that he knows about uh, what happened this particular night. So that's that. But with that said. Let's go to Tommy Young. Um, well, Hopper, did you have anything else right now uh, on uh, the Magnum and Dusty part? No, it's just like it's it's like Magnum's. You know, he's just I, I fucked up. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, and that's not a role that you see him in. No, it's like I fucked up. I'm sorry. And, and then Magnum's. It's almost like it's his son, and he's saying like, "Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're gonna be all yes. right." That's exactly how he's. Treating but it. we're not. But we're not going to be all right. We lost two hundred thousand dollars. Right. The we're bank gonna is going to foreclose our now. form. Yeah, we're yeah. going to have to suck dick at the subway for money now. That's nice, Doc. Well, hey man, I saw I saw a meme. I think it was on Tasteless Gentleman the other day. As long as you got a, <laughs> as long as you have a warm butthole, you have a way to make money. <laughs> <laughs> That's, dude. That 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 Facebook page is gold. It's something like don't be if you don't if you're poor don't be sad as long as you have a warm butthole you have a way to make money. It's nice. (laughs) Let's keep going. Let's listen now to Tommy. Well, I'm sure that there's somebody out there that would want to take advantage of Magnum because there's some sort of cripple porn fetish. Whoa. What? (laughs) What? Okay, let's keep going. Here's Tommy Young and some more fallout from what just went down. Understandably, Thoey Duff out of the dressing room, very upset at that time. Minutes ago, you thought he'd won the title of the money, and now all was gone. We finally caught up with the referee, Tommy Young, and talked with Tommy Young about that controversial decision. 
Okay, we're in the dressing room with the referee, Tommy Young of the match, and of course, Jim Crockett, president of Jim Crockett Promotions. And Tommy, you know I'm an unbiased announcer. I've been doing these matches for three years now. What I saw out there was a three count. Dusty Rhodes with a slingshot, the three count. Pin Tully Blanchard awarded him the belt. J.J. Dillon takes the money and leaves, and obviously Dusty is going to run out and chase J.J. Dillon, Dillon back, and then you ask for Dusty to come back in the ring. Explain to us exactly what happened. Okay, yes, I went one, two, three on Tully. Every, you saw that. That happened, okay. That's right. And then all of a sudden you say, come back in the ring, and Dusty's outside. Well, because of that, I mean, when Dusty cleared my vision, there's his leg over the rope. Hey, we're talking about the National Wrestling Alliance television title. We're talking about $100,000. That's a lot. I have to be sure. Now, I'm five-time referee of the year. I call him as I saw him, and that's the way I called that one. Well, we want you to see it one more time, and all the fans take a look at exactly what everyone saw. That's okay. All right, so they basically, they, they played Dusty doing a slingshot on Tully, Dusty making the pin, and one, two, three, and then Tully's leg goes up. Tommy Young, after Dusty moves, can see that Tully's got his leg up and decides, okay, yeah, I'm done. And so then they're about to go back to the interview right here. Okay, Tommy, you saw exactly what happened. All right, all right. I realize that, and I'm sorry. I'm really, I'm sorry to you, to Mr. Crockett, to Mr. Rhodes. But you just have to understand that in a situation like this, hey, we, we don't use instant replays in professional wrestling. That's only done in football, and even it causes controversy there. Now, I'm sorry, but I call it as I saw it. That's the decision I made, and as far as I'm concerned, that's the final decision. I'm going to stand by that decision. We all saw the foot on the rope, Jimmy, after the fact, after the count was made. That is correct, and there will be a board of inquiry to look into this match and Mr. Young's refereeing. Okay, you heard it from the dressing room. I'm Tony Schiavone for the Wrestling Network. All right, Harper, what did you what did you think after hearing Tommy Young's explanation? Well, fucking uh, Crockett's like fucking Mr. Belden yelling at fucking Zach Morris, man. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, we will check into his refereeing, you stupid ass. Does that make... Does that make uh, Dark Journey Lisa Turtle? Oh, wow. Mm. But she was hot, too, huh? Boy. Have you seen her lately? Oh, wow. wow. Is that, that bad? Do? Why do you always have to judge women by their looks? I didn't say that. I just said, have you seen her lately? What's she look like? Tell us. She's got some kind of disorder. Oh, Sickle so cell? You're an asshole. Because <laughs> she's black. You get it? <laughs> I get it. It's a stupid joke. It's just, it's it's Doc's same old shtick. It's a poor attempt at humor and playing heel. <laughs> what? Which in in the words of Tim Maselli, the, the, the Dago bastard, as Harper named our longtime patron in BTT Research Department, uh, Doc wishes he could be half the heel that Harper is. Oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, can we get yeah, back to Tommy but, Young now? But, well, I'm looking. She has some sort of. She looks like she's got Michael Jackson disease, pal. She got white. <laughs> it's called. It's not called Michael Jackson disease, you idiot. <sighs> What's it Is called? She, What's it called? She's got. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't have a medical freaking uh, doctorate or whatever the hell it's called. You dumbass. Damn. We got a couple of promos. You want to just tell us what it is? I mean, I'm sure you're looking at it. Explain what's going on here to her. 
uh, she's her skin is like whitish looking, but it's not just that. It's oh, like it's she like aged. Sosha? No, it's like she aged like since then. It's you know thirty years has gone by. It but it's like she's sixty years older than when she was. The fuck? She, she looks. I hate to say it, man. She looks terrible. That's damn. She's also bipolar, so there's no telling what she can, oh. you can get her. You can get her to do if you catch her in the right mood. Okay, uh, yeah. uh, back to Tommy Young, Harper. Any yeah, but, other thoughts on Tommy Young? Yeah, my thing is, we see the referees fuck up all the time. So why is this so fucking bad? Well, because you got the TV title on the line and a hundred thousand dollars. Whatever. I'm just yes. Question, Doc. What did you What did you think? If I didn't know better, and let's be clear that I do. I would have said this was the beginning of some sort of horseman Tommy Young heel turn. Yeah. Because they showed him the video and he's like, so? I mean, that's what heels do. <laughs> they look at right. the camera and go, I, I don't see what you're talking about, right? You know what I was thinking about was it was when WWE had uh, the heel ref. That was with yeah. uh, Davis. Right. That's what I was thinking about when I was watching this. So... My thing there is the other thing is Tommy Young, while a fantastic referee, doesn't cut a sympathetic promo. He kind of had a smarmy, heelish voice and just. He's a five time fucking ref of the year. Fuck you. And him reminding you of that is the heel move. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't come across sympathetic at all. So There's I, a lot of truth to that. I didn't know. I, I would have walked away with this thinking there was more to this story and the horsemen are in up to somethings. Make sure you listen to the interview with Bruce Mitchell. I think he explains. Why don't we just really cut down here. and stop the show and just yeah, do that it, right it's now? Fuck. Well, there, see, it's just that you my opinion. Want... I had a I had an opinion on this after I rewatched it. And then I talked to Bruce and I was like, oh, hmm. Well, that's interesting. So you just kind of because my thought before I talked to Bruce was Tommy looks like either an idiot or he looks like what Harper said, like he's about to do some kind of heel turn. Because, Doc, you just said it. Hate to toot your horn for you, but you're good at it. He he's like just being smarmy and like I called it. I stick by the decision. I know I messed up or whatever. Like it's a real kind of douche type response you know what i mean yeah and then like later they could find out like after the after the show the, the horsemen met up with him at some bar and they like paid him his cut of the money All right gave him a hooker and yeah you know what i'm talking about i i do it but the, and the, the other part is crockett uh i think harper just said this he he scolds tommy young right there which yeah the the look he gives him is fucking great <laughs> It is. He's like, you stupid asshole. He's just staring <laughs> through him like, what an idiot you are. Now I got to fix this bullshit. I fucking moron. Like, that's kind of how you looked at it. I was trying to get on the private jet and do coke, and now I have yeah. to deal with this shit. Yeah. That's why Dusty left. Is that what you, uh, is that what he said? Because it is? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Was, Let's keep going. It was a joke. Oh, okay. Uh, let's keep going. Nikita Koloff, after that, cuts a promo. And I thought this was hilarious because, and I'm not going to play it, but Nikita starts talking about the rules of war games, and it's fucking fantastic. Like, he's in that Nikita 
voice trying to describe war games. Ah, eh, fuck it. Hold on. Champion Nikita Kola. So you know, many things I want to talk about today. World TV title. There is no doubt in my mind and everybody else's mind that my super brother, Dusty Rhodes, is a world TV champion. We're going to find out what's going to happen there. Now, great American band. USA Tiger, Lex Luger, I have signed a contract, Lex Luger has signed a contract, how big is Lex Luger, how bad are you Lex Luger, we are going to find out in a great American match, and the last thing Tony, the last thing right here in Atlanta, the match beyond, what is a little bit, how about the rules of this of this match, Tony? Okay, it'll be five men on each side. Nikita, you're on one of the teams. It'll start out with one-on-one -on -one in that cage, enclosed on the top, then a coin flip, then it's going to be a two-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-two until all ten men are in the ring, and you must surrender or submit. So you tell me, first time ever, a cage all the way around two ring, all the way around two ring, and first time ever, a cage comes down on top of the ring. On top of both rings, that's right. Nobody in and nobody on. Ten will walk in, five will walk out. And don't somebody, how you say? Surrenders or submits. Somebody gonna get hurt for me. <laughs> somebody gonna get hurt bad. And right here at Atlanta, you're going to see, and the whole world is going to see something you have never seen before. And the horsemen, you are going to see something you have never felt before. And that is pain like you have never felt before. Peter Koloff, fans, let's go back to the... All right, Harbor, you're laughing at the same thing I am. Uh, you want to explain? I don't know how fucking Tony keeps a straight face during this shit. I he can't understand. He can't understand what the fuck's being said. That's what. <laughs> See, I thought you were I talking about the one. Uh, the one I watched. Did you watch oh. it? Oh, uh, yeah. Because Arn Anderson uh, says like, uh, "Yeah, you had to uh, land out by the pool uh, with your woman instead of going to the gym." And then uh, the kid like, "Did he say something about my girlfriend? What did he say about my girlfriend?" <laughs> Yeah, I sent you the pro episode. I mean the uh, worldwide yeah. episode. It was a there was a it was a little bit different, but yeah. Um, it just Nikita giving directions on the mm. fucking the rules. Look, man, we we live in a a, di a world a, a different world. The rules of we've talked about this of war games are, are actually kind of confusing. I mean. But if you're being real, it's a lot to. It, I mean, we understand them, but it's not cut and dry. And to have Nikita then describe it in his Russian accent is like, oh Jesus, his fake Russian accent at that. Uh, I, I I popped when I was watching this. I just thought it was hilarious, but that's why I said that. So why uh, use anyway. two rings for this? They could have done it with just one, right? Well, I that's mean, you got ten. Dudes. That's a lot of dudes in one ring. It's just Hopper. ten guys, right? Yeah, but that's still, I mean, you literally, you really couldn't do anything if you had 10 guys in one ring. At least, at least they were able to halfway do a few moves with yeah. the two rings, but because, you know, but 10 guys in one ring, you, it, it would have been basically a battle royal. I mean, and that's it. Yeah. So I was fine with the two rings. I mean, you know, it was something different. Uh, Doc, anything else from Nikita before we move on? I didn't have anything for him in the first place. 
Well, okay. Well, then Jim Garvin takes on Rick Sullivan next. Garvin wins and doesn't even take his suspenders off. Uh, we then go from that to uh, the uh, Midnight Express out there cutting a promo with Corny, where, ironically, Corny talks about beating up a girl and a kid in the ring, and that's the only match he'll sign. Uh, Doc, are we playing this one? Yeah, I think so. That's what I thought, too. Uh, Harper, I know you hadn't heard this one yet, but yeah. here it is. U.S. Tag Team. out here now, don't you? U.S. Tag Team Champion Jim Cornette's Midnight Express. Who's had me in the ring with Ronnie Garvin? Tried me, had me in the ring with donkeys, every other kind of animal life. Let me tell you something, Jim Crockett. The only time I'm going to get in the ring, I've finished wrestling. The only time I'm going to get in the ring from now on is if you can find me a little girl or a little kid to beat up somebody I know that I can whip. Elsewise, you people ain't going to see me in the ring again. Now, are our world tag team champions here today, huh? They were here, they right here right at the top of the program. Champions they are. Let me tell you something. The Rock and Roll Express, when they won those world tag team titles, they were on top of the world. They were jubilant. They were joyous. They were celebrating. And then all of a sudden, like a bolt of lightning, like a knife right in the gut, the thought struck them. We're going to have to defend against the Midnight Express. And Ricky Morton, and he said, well, I tell you what, we know we can beat all the other teams in wrestling, so we'll defend against them. We'll wrestle all them, and we'll stay as far away as possible from the Midnight Express. The U.S. Tag Team Champion is the number one contender. Well, let me tell you something, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. I'm standing out here right now, and I'm saying that your family's dogs, that you're trash, that you're garbage, that you're punks, and you're cowards. Now, what kind of men would you be if you let a guy like me stand out here and call you cowards? Just defend the belts against us during the Great American Bash and either shut me up or lose those belts once and for all, brother. <laughs> we'll be right back, fans. Don't go away. All right, Doc, what you got? First of all, did anybody else find it funny that he was talking about wrestling a doll? Yes. Oh. That was the first thing I caught. Yep. Then, because, because of everything <laughs> that has happened recently in the last few years. Yeah. The other thing, and get it, when he says that, he's a heel, so he's supposed to say heelish things. So don't go, oh, see, he wanted to wrestle a doll. He's a heel. He's a heel, motherfucker. <laughs> um. The line that got me in that, and I think it's one of the best lines that we've heard from Corny in a while on this show, and that's saying something, is when he calls him trash and garbage and all that, and then said, what kind of man would you be, what kind of men would you be if you didn't retaliate or defend against this? That's a great angle. Good shit talking, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Fuck, I wish Harper would have saw this. How ridiculous did Stan look? Very. Would you like to explain what it? The- Oh, he's got the, he's got a long sleeve white shirt on Hopper, uh-huh. and I think it's a button up, right, Doc? Yeah, because it's uh, it's got the down the middle or a zipper. I don't know. I can't tell. And he's the, he's got the bottom of it tied. Oh God! So like it's open from his neck down to his navel. <laughs> he looks like. Just- s- such a fucking shithead. <laughs> I mean, well, and the other thing about that is, is that he's standing out there, and I had this note. He's standing out there, and he could be pulling off a lot of looks at that time in his life, but he's got a mustache. Yeah, a fucking full and one. I'm too. Like, and I'm like, yeah, and my note was outside of Magnum PI, is he the only guy that could really pull off a mustache well? Yeah. In, or is him and Magna P.I. the only two that could pull off the mustache and get mad ass? Oh. 
<laughs> Unless you think Ditka was pulling a lot of wool back in 85 during the, Maybe, the title uh, run. Uh, Victor Newman. He was Super Bowl shuffling his way into some gaping poofs. <laughs> Victor Newman was, was shooting some ropes on some hoes, bro. With oh, that yeah. stash he had. Uh, Harper, I just sent you, uh, I, I screen grabbed it on Facebook and sent it to you. L- look at your Facebook messenger. Okay. And you'll, you'll see it. He He looks ridiculous. Yeah, he does. You see it? Like, does he look he, like just a shithead? He's got sh- He's got douchebag written all over him. <laughs> does Ted mustache? And I know it's kind of blurry because it's from the YouTube copy, but he's just douchebag right there all over him. All right, let's like talk to the other. Go ahead, Hawk. Looks like he fucking uh, he drives a fucking DeLorean with the fucking soundtrack to Miami Vice playing <laughs> all the time. Yes. That shit gets to the end of one side and he just flips the tape. And <laughs> yeah, he, I don't even got to take it out, bro. This this just got the fucking uh, flipper. Yeah. What'd you call <laughs> it? What the fuck was it called? I don't remember. Oh, God. <laughs> Reversal, maybe? I don't remember what it was called. <laughs> it's hilarious. You <laughs> have to take it out. I ain't got the tape out, bitch. I can just let it play. <laughs> That shit, that shit was as cool as splitting an atom back in 1987. It's on side A, but guess what? Side B's playing, bitch, and I didn't hit one fucking button. Now Break blow up, me, motherfucker. Now blow me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sweetheart. And you know he was he was listening to the Bullet Boys as he made that statement. <laughs> Smooth up in ya. Whoa. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Let's keep going. We got Ric Flair up next. Uh, he's got a promo. Here it is. And here he is, the world champion, Ric Flair. Brother, I've been on natural highs before, but today, I'm on one of the all-time highs, Tully Blanchard, the great Tully Blanchard, the beast, Dusty Rhodes, beat him, $400,000, you know what I would have said to Tommy Young if I were you? The same thing I say to all my girlfriends when they catch me with another one, I'd say, honey, are you going to believe me or you're lying out? And that's the way it was. Big Dust without... And I don't care how much crying, how much hollering, how much complaining, how many lawsuits are involved. The bottom line is, Dusty Rhodes, Tony Blanchard is walking around with $100,000. And he's still the champ. <laughs> oh, what a proud day in the life. And the style, and the rich and famous, the four horsemen, Tony Blanchard's done it all. Now, the 4th of July, the match beyond. And you have to know, first of all, if you out there, that Jim Crockett spent a fortune putting this together. Nikita Kolar walks out here asking for an explanation. What's the match beyond? Well, I'll tell you what it is, idiot. It's the king around two rings. With another cage on top. It's five guys walking out from one side. And it's five guys walking out from the other. And have you ever figured it out yet? 
what it boils down to. When you talk about submitting or surrendering, if someone might get killed, are you willing? Are the road warriors willing? Is Dusty Rhodes willing? Is the King of Jordan willing? That's Dusty Rhodes. You want to know Dusty Rhodes. Tell them about the hospital. Tell them about the knee brace. Tell them about paying the price. The 4th of July, right here in the army. Ten minutes. One has to submit or surrender. And you know me, look at it. Reputation speaks for itself. No submit, no surrender. We're talking blood, guts, sweat. And right here, guts. Look at this video coming And James A. Dillon are going to walk into that cage and I'll be damned and they're not going to pay the price of a lifetime because in the army, I'm telling you, I know somebody on the other team is going to Go to the ring, fans. All right, Doc, what you got for Rick right there? So first of all, just so you guys know, the audio on the network wasn't good there either. So that's not as much as it's easy to kick Mike in the shins for all the bullshit he pulls. That's not his fault. Um, okay, dude, it's a little bit it's a little bit more focused here and reined in on the fact that this is going to be serious business in here. Somebody and he says it at the end. Somebody on your side's going to get hurt. That's big news. Straight talking. Yeah, he, this isn't as he ain't out. I mean, he's on a natural high at the beginning, but it, this doesn't have the same transcendent. He goes, he's this was a little bit more meat and potatoes. We're not out here to get the whole roster over. I'm gonna look in the camera and say, We're about to go in this cage and whoop ass. So it was more serious, definitely was. Harper, what'd you have from it? Well, it was fucking, it was fucking Rick. Yeah, he was, I mean, like what fucking Doc said, someone's going to get hurt. You sure y'all want to do this fucking shit? Really? Once the bell bell rings, you can't take back. You can't take it back. You sure? All right. So I'm going to go in a different direction. At the beginning, he talked about when one of my women says they seen me with another woman, I asked them, are you going to believe me or your lying eyes? (laughs) Good God. I'm going to say something about that. Yes, his exact words, I noted it. When one of my women says they seen me with another woman, I asked them, are you going to believe me or your lying eyes? Boy, if that ain't some pimping ain't easy type shit, good yeah. Lord. But that was, a, that was the note that I had. And in 2018, he's marrying the French maid. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know, huh? Woo! <laughs> Have y'all seen have y'all seen that picture of them kissing that's all over the internet? Yes, Jesus Christ, Rick. What <laughs> the fuck? Not, not just that. I had so many people tag me in that shit. I was like, I've seen it. They got, I've I think seen I'd rather it. see 
I think I'd rather see Missy Hyatt down at the Walmart. Yeah, it's oh. like he just shoved his tongue down at, down that woman's throat. All right, let's go to the next match because um, we're getting ready to close this one out. Uh, we got Tully and Arn and Lex uh, versus Cougar J, Mike Forrest, Chance McQuaid. Tully, Arn, and Lex win as Rick coaches his guys and roots his guys on. Arn hits a beautiful spine buster on Forrest right before Lex puts Forrest in the torture rack. Doc, anything from that? I don't think so, but it leads out to the you know the next thing for sure. Yeah. Harper, you got anything before I play the promo? No. All right, let's play the promo. No. We got all the horsemen out there with Dark Journey. Here it is. Now the world television champion. Mm. Let me ask you a question. What is that belt that Rick Flair carries out here? What does that mean? That means he's the world heavyweight champion. What does it mean when I carry this out here, Tony? Means you're the champion. That's exactly right. So don't go out here. Oh, look at the pain on the dream's face. The dream one. We saw one, two, three. In the rule book, I believe it says you've got to be in the ring to get beat. When your foot is up on the rope and you go one, two, three, it don't count. And just because you can't follow the rules and keep your mind and your wits about you and go running up the back of the building, don't blame the horseman because you are incompetent. Don't blame the horseman because you can't get the job done. Mike didn't help. Nobody helped. I get it. Tully Blanchard, the horseman, $100,000. The match of the century. And that's why that's why I got this. Nobody else. Me. I've got this. There's a lot of moaning and groaning going on right now. A lot of crying and whining on the other side. That comes down to Dusty Rhodes. He made two mistakes. Number one, you assumed you beat Tony Blanchard. And the other side of the room, you didn't beat the man. Number two, you assumed the money was yours. J.J. Dillon took care of that, took the money, and Tony Blanchard's bank account. You can assume nothing when you're rushing the finest super wrestler professional sports today, and that is a four person. Don't you ever go on television and say that I stole anything. You can't be accused of stealing something that belongs to you. Did the foot go on as he counted three before after? It doesn't matter. It's academic. Tommy Young did a great job. He called it like he saw it. We have to abide by that decision. That's just how it is. But the war games, the war games, the live force, in the army, there's going to be no pressure on the part of the referee because ten are going in and only five are leaving. And believe me, it is going to be a war. Get in there, double A. What we're saying is this whole scheme of things is based on human error. If there wasn't human error, if everybody was perfect, nobody would win, nobody would lose. But the problem is, Rose, don't blame us, because you have a man left and a better man won. It's very simple. We're the finest three. I love J.J. saying you can't... Uh... You can't yeah. steal something. <laughs> that was a that was a great and line. On top of totally saying I did it myself. I did it. Yeah. You can't what steal exactly something that's you, yours. What exactly did you do, Tully? You got beat twice. Yeah. This is great. I I like JJ was really good there, man. JJ was really good. Uh what else how, you had for me, Doc? Well, how is anybody gonna beat five horsemen in a ring? Yeah. It, it seems like a difficult task. We gotta wait to find out. Yeah, how does one or even two referees keep an eye on all of them and their cheating shenanigans? They don't. Doesn't seem possible. Mm mm. Yeah. The, all the, right. The deck Harper, is stacked. Harper, you got anything before we uh, rate the show? No. 
I thought it was the promo I, for, from uh, from the shit I watched for a so, second because it, it sounded similar. It, yeah, and I, I, I did when I searched earlier when I was uh, texting you. I didn't see this one. I found this one late, like thirty minutes before yeah. we were doing the show, or I would have sent you this one when I uh, found it. Uh, so, all right, let's let's uh, let's rate this thing. I'll go first. I, I'm gonna give it an A. I, I forty minutes long. This shit was easy to get through. Uh, you got a title match, the shenanigans, a couple of really good promos right there. You got the one at the end. You got Ric Flair's. I even laughed my ass off at Nikita and his shit. So I'm giving it an A. Doc, what you giving it? Well, just because our parody accounts are fighting doesn't mean we have to fight, Pally. I'm also going to give it an A. There you go. Harper, what about you? I, fuck, bro. It's got to be an A. I mean, it's under a fucking hour long. You, you got a fucking title match. Flair promo. You know, what the fuck? Yeah. Doc, who are you giving your Rolex to? Man, I'm giving it to JJ for stealing that money. <laughs> Damn and coming it! Out and, say, and saying, <laughs> you didn't, you can't steal something that's yours. J, that, him, that, that sign of him, just his ass strolling out of there with that sack when it, all the other shenanigans were going got me. I fucking hate you. I was gonna get, I mean, that's who I got, and it was the exact same reasons. Damn. Uh, Harper, who are you, who, I'm going with JJ too. Harper, what about you? I'll give mine to, to, uh, to Magnum for that promo, you know, at the end when he's fucking crying on Dusty's shoulder. I'm sorry. That was good too. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. I can't argue that. All right, so... Uh, A's all around, two Rolexes for JJ and one for Magnum. There you go. Magnum hadn't got one obviously in a long time because he's been hurt. He's been out. Uh, but, uh, hey, let's, uh, let's, let's get ready to wrap this thing up and get over to, uh, the interview portion of this week's show. Cause yes, like I said at the beginning, uh, we've got part one with Bruce Mitchell. Now, Bruce is going to tell us what he says really happened the night that Dusty and Tully battled each other for the TV title in the $100,000. He was there. He was an eyewitness to it. He was in the front row. So there you have it. But uh, uh, this is a very interesting discussion that Bruce and I had, and I, I did not know this story until he and I talked a couple of weeks ago. So there you go. Right now, Doc, Harper, and I will be back to close things out shortly, but let's get over right now to part one with Bruce Mitchell from PWTorch.com and the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show. Harper, hit the tagline and get us over to Bruce. Book it, bitch. Hey, everybody. I'm back with Bruce Mitchell from PWTorch.com and from the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show. Bruce, uh, I got a nice response the last time you were on with us, and everyone loved your stories, including a mutual friend of ours, JB. Uh, JB uh, did say he was still disappointed it took you so long to come on the show. So, uh, JB, Bruce is back now, so no need to give him a hard time. Uh, Bruce, how you doing? Doing fine. I always like it when – that's like what my mother says. Um, you haven't called me in a long time, and I'm like, I'm on the phone with you right now. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, what are you complaining about? I just did the show. So anyway, yeah. JB, yeah. JB and my mom have something in common then. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Bruce, let's just jump right on into it. So just to kind of let you know where we are, uh, we've been doing these reviews now for, all, for years now, and uh, we are now in the summer of 1987. And 
things are, let's just, I don't say heating up, but things are happening. And the first thing I wanted to talk to you about was we just got done reviewing the June 6, 1987 episode where Dusty, I'm sorry, it's actually the June 13th episode, but it's uh, from the June 6th, I guess, uh, taping. And you were there where Dusty battled Tully for the NWA TV title and the $100,000 that was on the line. So, uh, you told me some things online, and I wanted you to elaborate uh, about Dusty and Tully that night. You shared some thoughts on that match. Uh, can you talk about that match and what you know about what went down? Okay. Um, all right. First, I, to lay some background for this stuff, um, I don't think either Wade had started the torch about then, or maybe it was a year or two before he was starting the torch. Um, I was reading the wrestling observer. I don't know if I'd written a letter to the wrestling observer yet, probably not. And I had no idea that, you know, 35 years later, I'd be, you know, we, or 30 years later, we'd be having this conversation like at all. Um, and so, um, my big lucky break though, was, was that I had met John Hitchcock at a, comic book store called acme comics in greensboro and and he was he was literally the first person well i'd say the second person i didn't know this other guy very well but he was the second person that i ever met after becoming this huge wrestling fan that could talk to me about wrestling Uh, and you know that i just didn't know anybody i was in college when i you know when I really got into it and, um, and so we had some conversations and he goes, well, you know, um, we go to the, we go to the Greensboro Coliseum shows and I would go to some shows by myself, but that was about it. And so we go to the Greensboro Coliseum shows and I was like, yeah, that's cool. I'd always wanted to go and sit closer, sit front row. And it's like, well, I got the hookup because back in those days, um, you know, coliseums were more crooked than they are today there was no you know the crookedness now is in um the the um the the ticket brokers that buy all the tickets up before you get a chance to get to them back then it was in the the um arenas themselves and right so he had the hookup he had grandma literally her name was grandma grandma would um grandma had the um you know as long as you got her the money she could get you the front row seats um a show ahead of time so i put my money in started going with he and his friends got to know these people a lot of them i know to this day and and we would go and um and we were devoted bad guy fans um and in a time where that wasn't as prevalent anywhere near as prevalent and john hitchcock running you know running a comic book store being an artist himself he looked to do you know he did the signs he's the he's famous for the we've heard enough sign and so we bring signs and go root for the bad guys and it got you know you get a lot of reaction from fans and from wrestlers too for doing that because it just wasn't that you know it became really common after that but it's like it wasn't all that common and so um here comes 1987 magnum ta has his tragic car wreck it's a big deal um in this area it's on the news it's in the newspapers um and all the wrestling fans you know want to know what's up with magnum ta is he is he going to be okay is he going to come back um and the crockett's did a good job of keeping and you know it's just a different time they kept it hidden how badly injured he was um and there was an expectation that you know this is wrestling he was in a car wreck he'll be back and and then they said he was coming back he made his first appearance in in baltimore maryland um and they showed some footage of that on television during the crockett cup and that he was going to come back to greensboro um on this on this date and they did the big um, – they did the, the $100,000 – 
people's money challenge um, that that Dusty put up $50,000 and Tully and J.J. Dillon, the full horseman, put up $50,000. Ergo, it was $100,000 altogether. And, you know, hilariously, Dusty brought his out in a, um, you know, paper in a paper sack. bag and paper sack and and and. Um, and JJ had his in the, in the Halliburton. The Halliburton was the cool suitcase that wrestlers all carried back then, and it was yep. um, really hard to damage. And and you could keep all your money in it, and you could keep other valuables that you might be trying to keep track of, um, and didn't want other wrestlers to get a hold of. Um, in the Halliburton, you can lock it up. And so um, we had kind of learned, like going there, and we went month to month. I mean, we went to every show, front row, and it was odd if the. Um, if the good guys won, we took a we took a worse kind of like abuse. I mean, we never got into fights because we, we weren't that stupid, but but we would talk to fans for sure. We would talk back to people for sure. And so you might get spit on, or you might get somebody throw a coke at you, or you know, crap would fly from the um from the people behind you, or and you certainly get cursed at a lot. You know, cursed at a lot. Um, and it's, there was something about the psychology of when the heels they would never really win but they would um but they would by some technicality keep keep their championships and you know the whole formula was that rick flair and the horseman and jim Cornette could go on tell get their ass kicked by the good guys by dusty Rhodes and, and nikita koloff or whoever else it was you know rock and roll express and then they could go back on television the next weekend and lie their faces off and get all their heat back you know it wasn't even like you know they got their ass kicked and we were really good about you know we would fake agonize during the selling and then when you know you know when they do the dusty finish or whatever it was and 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 the fans would be yelling and cheering and cheering and then they pull the rug out from under them um and give the title you know tommy young's would reluctantly give the titles back to um the horsemen we would just be, um, well, they won the match. And, you know, well, he pinned him. He beat his ass. What are you talking about? Well, <laughs> who's got, you know, who's got the bells? And it's like, well, well it's not fair. It's like, who's got the belts? That's how you can tell who the champion was, you know, and like really kind of talk like that. And we had a ball. I mean, it was a lot of fun and, and, and all that. But I remember like talking to these guys before we were going to this show, I thought this show, we were going to get killed because that to me, in my mind, my my booker mind back then, um, there was no way that Magnum TA was coming out in front of this crowd in Greensboro and dusty roads. Wasn't going to beat Tully Blanchard. It was like, you know, you wouldn't have Tully win and uh, on the same night that Magnum TA was back. I mean, that was just ridiculous. It was going to be this celebration, and they even had a match. Um, another, one of the, another one of the matches on that show was um, Ric Flair and Lex Luger, who was now part of the Horsemen, versus the Rock and Roll Express. And I was looking, for, looking at, they're going to have a clean sweep with the good guys. And when they have the clean sweep of the good guys, that means we're going to eat it. <laughs> like they're going to be yeah. like worth us and they're going to be. So I was just like, here we go. And um, so, so that leads to the comment I made to you and I'm going to stand by that comment. This, this was the last or maybe the first shoot match in Jim Crockett promotions. And I'll explain this to you as we go along. Um, so we're sitting front row 
um, right along that railing. And if you go and find, um, I have it somewhere in my house on, on, on bootleg DVD, but if you go and find the syndicated television taping from there, I, I think you guys, did you guys watch the one on the W network? Yeah, we we got we 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 do the stuff that's on the network, but I have the the NWA Worldwide library through '87. Okay, if you go so and look I, for the- I can I'll, I can look it up. I can look up okay. whatever you're talking about right now. Okay, if you go and look for this, and you find that show, the very first shot of the show is a shot of me giving the full Horseman sign. Only I'm giving it backwards for some reason. I didn't even realize this until I got a copy of it like a few years ago. But it's <laughs> it, it's a solo shot of me going full horseman, you know, uh, you know, given given the the four fingers. And like I said, unfortunately, I was kind of dumb about it and gave it backwards. But um, so that that's how it starts. So you had, you know, you had the fifty thousand dollars versus fifty thousand dollars, and Magnum was holding the bag literally. You know, right. he was holding the lunch bag, and so. Had this match, and it was exactly what I figured, which was, um, you know, we're sitting there watching this, exactly what we figured. Um, Tully Blanchard was taking the ass-whipping from, from Dusty Rhodes, and Tully was really good. I mean, that was his job, was to make Dusty Rhodes look good. And if you watch those promos, um, Tully did good promos, and he he found a way to mention Dusty Rhodes, every, you know, like six or seven times in one promo. I mean, he would just he would say his name over and over again because one time he got in trouble for not doing that, and Dusty booked him to wrestle wrestle um, Jimmy Valiant for a while, and so he learned his lesson and stayed right there, you know, stayed right there with it. So Tully's bouncing around like a ping pong ball. I, I know you guys saw the matches; it's an okay match. But like I said, it was real. It was a shoot, and, I, and I'll get to the part where, where I know for sure. And so um, Dusty, in all his glory and his nerve, um, used the slingshot slingshot suplex on Tully, his own move, his own finishing move on Tully, takes him over. Tommy Young is the referee, and that's the key to this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And takes him over and down pins him you know and, and you guys saw this one two three we're like oh my god and the, the other key part of it was that tully after the third count not before it but after the third count then just moves his leg under the rope well um my friends who became a cbs news producer um retired now but one of one of the guys on the front row you can kind of see him on as i recall you can see him on the footage but he stuck his foot out on the railing so like the railing was the rope and he stuck his foot on the railing and we all did too and we started yelling hey tommy tully's foot's on the rope tully's foot's on the rope and tommy young is like looking down and then he looks around and he looks at us and he goes wait a minute and he looks over and that foot's still on the rope and that's when he caught, that's when he um, started to to say the match needed to start again. And um, I actually did an interview. Wade and I did an interview with Tommy Young a couple of years ago, where we talked about this. He remembered it, which I was really happy that he remembered that part of it. And so at that same time, you know, the fans are rushing the um, railing. And the ra- when I say railing, the railing isn't all that much. It's metal, right. but it moves in and it moves out. There's not much to it. And so they're rushing the railing behind us. And um, as, you know, as this consternation is going on in the rain, in the ring, as this tumult, um, sneaky old JJ comes around and he snatches the bag from Magnum TA with, with Dusty's $50,000 in it. And so he takes off. There's this guy behind me 
that starts yelling in my ear. I don't know where he came from. And he starts, because he didn't sit like right behind us. And he starts yelling, JJ's got the money. JJ's got the money. Someone should do something. And like JJ's taking off. And so I, um, I just went against my normal policy of rooting for bad guys. And I went, you're right. Someone should do something real dramatically. And he goes, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I was like, man, you got to. And so he jumped the railing and ran off after him, which I was like, that was like, if we could talk somebody into, into going over the railing into the <laughs> ring or into any of that, that was like the Academy Award. So I was really happy. You know, it's like, so this guy takes off. I'm sure he took, got his ass kicked, you know, and, and all that. And so, um, Tommy Young, and like I said, this part of it is all real. This is Tommy Young seeing us. We saved the Four Horsemen. We saved J.J. Dillon and Tully Blanchard. They're, they're $50,000 because then, you know, you know, Tommy Young, who looks like he's having to, um, you know, he's having to investigate his grandmother's murder. You know, he's just really solemn. He's just, oh, you know, I hate to do this, but Tommy Young has integrity, so he's, he stands up and says the match continues. Dusty Rhodes has taken off after J.J., and so has and so has Magum, slowly, but he's taken off after J.J., so Dusty waddles down. That wasn't very nice, but it's true, and he waddles down after, um, after J.J., and Tommy Young, you know, Tully Blanchard's just barely getting up because he's taken the beating of a lifetime. He doesn't even know where he is. He just gets himself up, standing up he, unsteadily, and and the crowd's starting to figure out something was up. And so Young starts counting. Well, the crowd is quiet, kind of watching, trying to figure it out. Well, we're not quiet. We're counting with him. We're counting to 10. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. We're counting along with him. And if you notice on the tape, um, this is one of the first times I remember it. I think it is the first time I remember it. Maybe it happened before, but it was the first time I remembered that you know the Crockett's would just do live to tape. I mean, I've heard Tony Schiavone talk about it on his podcast with Conrad Thompson. Um, he st- they st- remember when Mondays they they just did they didn't do any production afterwards. Well, they did some production after on this. The the, the sound gets wonky. It gets kind of um you know they, they kind of interfere with the sound because we're chanting with um you know we're chanting with with um tommy young with the referee and he gets to you know that's it and he calls the match in favor of you know dusty rose gets counted out because he never comes back and and we're just ecstatic slapping hands laughing our heads off we're like oh my god because as i said tell i mean as i said tommy young incorporated us into the the part about tully after the pin, putting his foot under the ropes and just driving everybody crazy because, you know, he lost, but he didn't lose. And, and so, um, people are pissed. They're pissed at us. They're pissed at everything, but they're not, they're not doing a whole lot about it because for whatever reason, like when something went on like that, they were a little, I mean, we were all, well, there might be one or two. There was one or two guys. I think that probably could fight. I can't, I know Hitch can't, you know, it was like a, and nobody wanted to, but it was, um, you know, it, it was that just, you know, we were just celebrating like the Super Bowl, And so here comes dusty and dusty. I don't know if you've seen him in Florida and some other places when something like when bad guy fans or fans that didn't like dusty roads, which we were both like, seriously, both, um, 
you know, you got in the way of whatever skit that he was doing. And, you know, this was supposed to like, you feel sympathy for Magnum. Dusty would have this great reason to go after Tully Blanchard to, um, you know, get revenge. And the fan should have been like, you know, rallying around you know, the American dream and all that crap. And so um, he comes back to the ring and he is pissed off and he's pissed off at us. And he gets in the ring and he starts <laughs> swearing into the microphone. If you're like, I mean, yeah, they, it, they bleep it out. I mean, it's on the, on the, well, I'm sure they bleeped it out on worldwide too on the network. It's bleeped out. Oh yeah. They bleeped it out, but he's swearing and we're, and that again is like, if we could get the, you know, if we could get the American dream or some good guy to swear, um, you know, we were, thrilled you know that was like we got them and so um yeah you, you worked them <laughs> you worked them yeah, basically I mean, like they were they were furious and he's working so so um he's like get back out here blah, 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 blah. you know it's like and he's you know and he's cursing and um and we're just laughing our heads off so that part like, like i said um because senior referee tommy young you know, four times, was it three times or four times referee of the year um, mm-hmm. in the NWA? They'd always say that, and there was never any ceremony. They just said it. And and he was, um, you know, that he had the integrity to look to us, you know, and it got to the point sometimes where some guy, you know, they do the old gag about um, the heel grabbing the hair, and the heel would grab the hair behind the referee's back. And then point to us and go, you know, he's grabbing my hair. And then, and then the, he would point to us. We go, no, he's not. You know, we start doing our hands like, no, no, grabbing the hair. And then the heel would the heel would accuse the babyface of grabbing his hair, and we would we would back up the heel. So you know, and it was and part of that was that the you know I didn't know this until years later, but it was kind of obvious in certain ways that the really good workers back then were all heels, with the exception of maybe Ricky Morton. Like the really good ones were were heels. And the charismatic baby faces um, were there, and Ronnie Garvin too. Ronnie Garvin was really good, and um, but the charismatic baby faces they wanted the heels to fly for them. They wanted them. so we liked the Bobby Eatons, we liked the Tully Blanchards, and of course we love Flair. And um, that was you know we kind of knew, and Arn too. We, Arn was our guy, so Arn Anderson. So um, that. That was so we were like kind of we thought we were kind of giving credit to guys who were working harder than some of the other guys. So that may lead into um, I think that, yeah that was so that was my story. That's one of our one of the most fun nights I ever had in my life just because of how all that turned out. And then they bring out um, the Rock and Roll Express in the last match. That wasn't even the last match of the night. The Rock and Roll Express are in the last match versus. Um, Versus Luger and Flair, and Luger and Flair beat the Rock and Roll Express. You <laughs> couldn't touch us on the way out of there. We were laughing and having a good, like, yeah, we told you so, like, you know, <laughs> shooting that enforcement sign, and oh god, the fifty, the people's money, yeah, it's the people's money, all right. It's the you know, and and the people are the full <laughs> horsemen. I mean, we were just having a you know, you know, having a blast with that, and then you know, watching on television and seeing. You know, seeing poor Tommy Young get like blessed out by um, Dusty Rhodes, and I mean blessed out by I think it was Jim Crockett, and you know Dusty Rhodes, you know feeling sorry for Magnum TA, and you did your best and all that. It was quite the um, it was the, quite the dramatic scene on on that, and it was also not to segue into something, but it was also one of those times where you could just you could see people were getting tired of Dusty Rhodes, and they were getting tired of getting the um. You know, and you would. It was a real lesson to me. I've said this many times. But it was a real lesson to me watching in the Greensboro Coliseum, the crowds be at the ten thousand mark or, or above. It was a really hot issue, 
and then going down month to month because um, and this wasn't a Dusty Rhodes finish. A Dusty Rhodes finish is a real specific thing. It's um, it's the the champion is a heel. He throws the challenger over the top rope, or the challenger throws him over the top rope without the referee seeing it. Um, well, the referee gets bumped. Somebody goes over the top rope. Another referee comes. They they fight without the referee. You know, the referee's flat. You know, the referee's laying in the ring. He's knocked out. The crowd turns and looks to the back because they know that another referee's running down and it doesn't count until the other referee runs down. So the other referee runs down. Um, the good guy pins the champion, bad guy that the belts change hands. And then the original referee wakes up and goes, wait a minute. He threw mm-hmm. him over the top rope. It's a DQ. Sorry. Give the belts back. You know, they have the celebration and they dusty roads used that finish so much. I mean, that's not an exaggeration, but like six or seven months in a row on key matches, maybe sometimes two a night where, the fans blamed the promotion. They were like, I'm sick. You know, it's like you'd see them leaving the ring. They wouldn't say, I blame Jim Crockett Promotions. This is what they say. This is a ripoff. I'm sick of this crap. You know, they said something else. But you'd, you'd hear them like going out, going out, and then the crowd would go down by a couple thousand the next show. And, and then Dusty, as the booker, his reaction to all that was to book himself even more. And you talked about how, you know, Ric Flair in the studios um, and at TBS, you know, was this massive baby face. Well, one thing to remember about this is Ric Flair was the home promotion, huge baby face star chasing Harley Race from about 1979 to 1983. And even in, you know, there that's, a, that's a good point. That's a good point. Because yeah. sometimes I think, I, I, sometimes, I don't even say sometimes, I seem to forget that too whenever we're doing these because we're so concentrated on the mid 80s that we're, we're in the moment and it's true I, that's i'm glad you said that because i didn't even think about that but that's really true because if he's that home guy hometown guy who's chasing that belt all those years even though he was a heel for so long uh fans have a, a good memory for wrestling i mean uh, just look at us i mean we we remember everything so that's a great point i hadn't thought about it like that so it was, you know, it really was like Dusty Rhodes came and he was a big, big star. And when he first came in, um, and I remember going to the Dorton Arena in Raleigh and watching them do, it might have been the first time I ever saw a Dusty finish. And he did the match with Flair and the place went unglued for the Dusty finish. It was like, you know, when you, you never seen it before, it was amazing. You know, it was pretty much a sellout of this, of this arena. And no, it was a sellout. I'll take that back. And so, um, you know, and, and Flair knew how to work Dusty, and Dusty was, you know, you know, he was new and really charismatic. But you know, there were, everything revolved around him. And then there was that feeling like I was always going to root for Ric Flair. It was whether he was a good guy or a bad guy. It was like I was going to. He's he was kind of the guy that got me into watching Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling, and you know, he had this tremendous rise, and he was really good. I mean, you know, best in the world. He was really good, and. I liked his talking and, you know, and all that. And I like Dusty's talking too, but I thought Flair's was better. And that's a pick em, really. But I, I thought Flair's was better. And so, um, you know, it, it was kind of like I'm the type when I was growing up, I picked a team and I stayed with my team. You know, whether yeah, good like or that bad, too. that's how I am. And so I picked Ric Flair for whatever reason and because and, he was really good and got me interested, a lot more interested in wrestling than I'd ever been before. And, um, and so Dusty kind of stepping on his toes a lot got tiresome and um and you know and they teamed him up a little bit and that was kind of weird you know because you knew that there was you know i read enough of the magazines to know there was this rivalry but they would talk back and forth and you could see 
you know, you could see there was a rivalry for real um, in some of the things that were said and, you know, how they tried to one-up each other. And, and the thing was, Flair's in great shape as this great worker, dusty as his job as Booker and everything. You know, he's like, he's John Wayne, he's Hulk Hogan, he's the number one guy involved in everything. You know, he's, he's going out and teaming with the Rock and Roll Express, he's putting face paint. And that was like, that was when we just gave him down the road so badly. When he came out with the, the Road Warriors in face paint, it was like, who are you kidding? Because <laughs> fat guy, I mean, I'm sorry, but I mean, that was, you know, like he was out of shape and, and you had flair that was in supreme shape, cardio and strength wise and every other thing, um, having to do all this stuff to look, to make dusty look strong. And, and you know, and I, I've talked about this before and I knew it at the time that they put Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, um, and, and Ole Anderson who had had this long feud with in Georgia with, um, and that, that it bled over into the Carolinas too, but in, in Georgia with um, with Dusty Rhodes, um, they put these guys in there to, to say, you know, Ric Flair is the world champion, but Dusty Rhodes is the greatest wrestler on earth. And if Ric Flair didn't have three guys to help him, you know, he he barely holds on to the title with three guys to help him. So I kind of didn't I didn't like that from the beginning, and um, you know, and I, you kind of tell that you know who was really in control. And as we started learning who was really in control, that didn't help. Um, but it gave us it kind of gave us stuff to like work off of when we go to the shows to put to make signs. Once we started having a little bit of insider information from the, from the observer that, that kind of helped, but he was, um, you know, business was, that was when business started to go down. It was like 86. It was 85. It was great. 86. It was great. 87. Um, there was some cool stuff going on, but there were chinks in the armor and, and dusty doubled down on booking everything around himself you know, as fast as he could. And, you know, the, the superpowers with Nikita Koloff, that, that kind of, that helped stem the tide a little bit. That was, um, that was really popular for, you know, right after Magnum's thing. But, um, it was, yeah, it was starting to, you could see it wasn't as hot as it had been. And, um, it'd been hot in the late, you know, in the late seventies, it'd been hot coming into the early eighties and then it slowed down in 1984. And then it, it really took off with dusty and, um, you know, dusty and the broken leg and, and, and Lana's army, but now it's starting to really cool down. And, and you just thought Ric Flair should be the number one baby face on top. And that's, you know, and dusty should s- step back a little bit. And that is exactly what he was not going to do. And so it became more and more of, of, what you you know it's it's not the same as Roman Reigns, but it's that similar feeling of fans wanting a change and um, feeling and feeling frustrated because they're not getting it. Yeah, no, you you can see it. You can see it on the on the this the, where we are right now. At least I feel you can see it. Let me. I want to circle back, Bruce, uh, real quick. You were talking about that finish with Tully and Dusty. Are are you trying to tell me uh, just to confirm that? The finish we saw, Dusty was supposed to win, and Tommy Young confirmed that, that when he saw you all say the foot was on the rope or making the gesture, <laughs> and then he saw Tully's foot on the rope because he, he did put his foot on the rope after the three count. Are you trying to tell me that you all called that and Tommy Young went in a completely another different direction than what the finish was supposed to be just because of based on what you all did? Well, I wasn't in the back. You know, I wasn't in the meetings when they decided what the finish was. All I can tell – well, I'll tell you some more. But all I can tell you is that um, 
went Tully's foot went under that not no that that Tommy Young's hand went down for the third time. Tully's foot was not under the rope. It was. I, I agree. Right then, Tully slid his foot under the rope, and and Tommy Young, who had already said that the match was over, didn't look at at Tully's foot until we all started yelling. Oban Johnson first, but we all started yelling, Tully, Tully's, you know, I mean, no, we all started yelling, Tommy, Tommy, Tully's foot's on the ropes, his foot's on the ropes. And we started pointing and putting our own foot up on the railing like it was on the rope. Then he shook his head a little bit, looked over at the foot and, 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 you know, got sorrowful and went his foot's, you're right. And, and did that. And as I said, interviewed him decades later and he he confirmed that it was like he didn't make the call until he looked at us so you can interpret that however you want to that it was you could interpret it as as a great referee as a great performer who used our reaction to react to before he pointed at the foot and that was the that was the plan all along was to have um you know to have everything unfold the way it did so they could go to charlotte and have the um the um, barbed wire matches for the hundred thousand um, dollars, you know, put it up on that for the for the rematches. Or you could interpret it the way I interpret it, which is that was the only match in Jim Crocker Promotions history that was a true and complete shoot, and that that everything that Dusty would have won all the money and everybody would have been happy except for my friends and I, front row section D, saved the people's money. Um, and made sure it went to where it belonged, where it should have gone, which was J.J. Dillon's hot little hands. So you can you can look at it <laughs> one way or you can look at it the other way. I look at it that it was a shoot and a shoot the whole way. And if it hadn't have been for our quick reaction, particularly Obens, but if it hadn't have been for our quick reaction, um, you know, you know, Dusty would have won and everybody, you know, and, and justice would not have prevailed. But since we did that part, that since we did that and Tommy um, Young rightfully reacted to what we pointed out to him, it's a shame, you know, it's a shame he missed the part about Tully putting his, putting his foot, as we told some of the other fans, uh, putting his foot under the, you know, under the, um, under the bottom rope after the count. Of course, we did this, and this was one of the things we would say, and I always like, get the, got the biggest kick out of this one. Um, that's not fair. He put his foot under the ropes after the count. No, he didn't. What do you mean? I saw it. I saw it. No, no, he didn't. What you saw was trick photography. <laughs> we would say what you saw was trick photography because Captain Lou Albano would say that, you know, whatever was going on with his tag, it was his evil heel tag teams. And when they showed on TV, that's trick photography. Well, they're not watching it on television. They're watching it with their own eyes. And that would shut them up. They would go, uh-huh. You know, like, no, trick photography. What really happened was, and, and then you'd lie. So, um. So anyway, and that was a that was a thing back then too, Bruce. I, I mean, I'm, I grew up. I mean, I was born in the mid '70s and grew up in the '80s. I, that was a thing. I can remember people would always, uh, whenever you'd see something on TV, they go, "Oh, it's just trick photography." That's not what really happened. So, like, that was a thing. I remember that being like a term thrown around all the time back then, just for anything. Yeah, it's sort of the sort of the the predecessor to Photoshop or Photoshop, you know, right? Photoshop right. That so it was like the, the footage was messed with, and the heels would always say that. And so, um, yeah. That, so anyway, I, I, I try to be as honest as I can, you know, working for the torch and working all this. It's really important for me to keep my credibility up. So yeah, complete and utter shoot. That match was wow. a complete and utter shoot. So, 
That's uh, that's that's pretty incredible. So only one other question about that. Have you? I mean, Dusty is deceased now. Have you ever? You spoken to Tommy Young about that night. Have you ever spoken to Tully Blanchard or JJ Dillon about that night? Um, Tully Blanchard and JJ Dillon definitely. Um, JJ has a little bit of a remembrance of it. Um, Tully has some, but you got to remember too. They were, mo- you know, Tully was in the ring out so he wasn't looking at us and um and jj was moving so tully has tully remembers like the count and he remembers us and they both very much remember us and they remember when um john it was before i got there about nine months before i got there when um the the night that that hitch had his guys um have a have a whole layout of rock and roll express and they flipped the signs over and it said romper room which is romper room was the kitty tv show in greensboro for many many years to like and to mock the rock and roll express and they put tape on their noses like ricky morton got his nose broken and there was this big reaction in the crowd where during the intermission a lot of the crowd was kind of coming down towards those guys and that was, you know, JJ will tell the story and I've heard, you know, and, and there's some other guys will tell the story of, and of course my friends will tell the story, but you know, that that was where Jim Crockett went, we've got something here, like this full horseman thing. Um, we've got something with these guys. Let's keep, let's, let's really make this more than it is. And, and, and you know, they already started saying full horseman on television, but not very much. And, and so they really pushed it after that. Um, but yeah, I never got a chance to talk to Dusty about it. But um, there was a story. Hitch was in a bar. I think it was um, Hogan and Flair in Orlando, the first Hogan and Flair WCW match where um, Mr. T was at it, and and um, and um, what's his name? God, what was his name? The the, the Great Lakers Center. But anyway, um, oh, and so, are you talking about? oh shit, Wilt. Not Wilt. Um, not Wilt. Not Wilt. Um, Shaq. 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 Okay. Shaquille yeah. O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal. So, um, so that was the one there, and so I didn't go to that pay per view, and so some of my friends did, and Hitch tells about being in the bar, and he's talking to Dustin, and Dusty was working in the company then, but not you know, but not wrestling, is sitting across the bar and just stares down Hitch. And then tells his son, we don't talk to him. And, you know, he kind of walked on away. But, you know, most of those guys, at least now, have a sense of humor about it. And they did some back then. Some of them were um, nastier than others. But, yeah, I don't think Dusty ever appreciated any of that, to say the least. So, is that story uh, with Shaquille and, and Dusty saying that, is that in John Hitchcock's book? Because I do have his book. I just haven't read it. I think um, – I think the thing – I don't know if that one's in there, but it's just a bar story. But, yeah, it may be. No one, no one Hitch. I'm trying to remember. I, I've read the book, but it's been a little while. Um, by the way, look at that cover. That cover of John, <laughs> John, and he's got his sign, and he's got his hand right over my face. I mean, if there was ever an instant that conveyed a um, relationship, that was it. A friendship between <laughs> the two guys. That was it. Um, when you read that book, the stories are true. They didn't all happen to John. <laughs> I'll just put it like that. So, um, but a lot of them did, and so, um, you know, that's. But and I was there, sitting right there to see to, to see it and participate in it. So, um, yeah, that you know, the, that. But yeah, the people's money is the, the story I just told is so much in Hitch's book, and I think it's exactly like the way I told it. So, um, yeah, that's definitely that was a major. Believe me, we 
that that gets brought up about once every nine months, no matter what. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna thumb through it and and look up because I, I want to I want to I mean I, I've heard you obviously tell me tell it to me now, but I want to want to read it as well. I just haven't had time to to crack open his book. I've been busy, but I do have it and I, I should and, say intentions on reading it. You can get it on um, Amazon.com, um, front row section D. And it's, um, yeah, I've, I've had people tell me that they've read the book and I've had some interesting reactions over the years from some people. So yeah, it's, but yeah, a lot, it's a, it was, it's a lot of fun and it's definitely him just ranting and raving. So, um, Hitch is a great storyteller. And, and so this was kind of his, his time to, he, he did these store, he wrote down what happened and some years later and put it on a website and, and then collected it all together. And, and particularly if you're a fan of that era, which I would assume you are since you're doing this show, um, it, it's a good read. Oh, if you've ever heard him on any of the shows he's been on, he's been on a few, uh, including like Jeff Baldrins and whatnot. And, and he, you're right. He is a good storyteller. I, I 100% agree with that. He's damn good. It's a, it, the way he the way he puts it all together and tells you what happened. That's what that's what makes the book. Uh, when I finally get to it, or that's that's what makes me so interested in, in reading it as soon as I have time because he he is such a good storyteller. And uh, and then you confirmed the last time I had you on, you were like, let me tell you, those stories are all true. It might not be him always uh, interacting in those stories, but uh, for, for you know one hundred percent, those stories are true. Which that's what makes them even better. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it was you know it was a time and a place, and and I I think one of the keys to it was that you had you know this this nation this promotion that was going nationwide, and you had them still coming to our towns on a very regular basis. So um and and taping television, I, I just I would I would always you know I'd, I'd I'd set my VCR and put my VHS tapes in and try to. Um, record as many wrestling shows as I could, but always Jim Crockett shows because there was a pretty good chance that, you know, not doing anything, but there's a pretty good ch- chance that we'd show up or, you know, we'd show up on television, like at the beginning of this, of the um, syndicated show showing the full, you know, the full horseman sign, we'd show up on television in some, in some way, shape or form. And, and I was working in a department store in Oxford, North Carolina and uh, an assistant manager and people would come in and go, uh, I saw you on wrestling, you know, and like, I didn't do anything, but except for, you know, know where the red light was and, and act up. But, um, and then Hitch, he said his nephews start calling wrestling, the uncle John show, because they'd watch it and there, there's there, their uncle John would be. So, um, that was, that was a lot of fun. I don't think that, you know, there is, there is that, that guy and his mom that shows up for everything. And of course, um, you know, the guy back in the nineties that was at every WWF deal, um, but um, probably more than we ever were. But I mean, it was just. But yeah, the chance to be able to go and sit in the same seats or go to the same arenas, and they would tell, they would take television. They knew who we were, and they knew that we weren't going to. There was only so much danger we were going to cause, like we were going to touch wrestlers or, or um, you know, jump in the ring or any of that kind of crap. So they, they, a lot of them liked us. So um, and some of them didn't, but a lot of them definitely did like us. So it was, you know, you got to be the ultimate like goofy cameo. So yeah that was uh. a lot of fun but it was a lot of fun and and also it was a real education didn't know it at the time but it was a real education and and how wrestling works and how it doesn't work Welcome back. Hopefully you enjoyed part one with Bruce Mitchell from the Bruce Mitchell Audio Show and pwtorch.com. Check out all of Bruce's writings on pwtorch.com and uh he's on the VIP 
feed for Wade Keller's uh, PW Torch. So he does some good stuff. So, Bruce, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you again for all that we discussed related to the title match between Dully and uh, Dully. Dusty and Tully for the NWA TV title in the $100,000. Really, really good stuff. All right, Hopper. Uh, hey, I'm going to try to share my screen. Let's see if this will work. I, I got something I want to show you about uh, a promo of the week. So let's uh, let's let's see if this shit works. Let me know when you can see my screen. And, we'll, and then I'll play it. Is it coming through? Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So the promo of the week. OWA. Promo of the week. I got this from... Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, one of the podcasts that supports us, plugs us every single week, longtime friends of mine. Uh, he hosts a podcast, Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, with ROH's Brian Malonis. Each and every Monday, their show drops. Check them out. They do really good work, classic stuff, current stuff, all combined. Again, it's uh, just search WPAN or the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing and listen to them. So Mike sent me this. And while I'm, while I'm talking about other podcasts, I also want to mention our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast by Joe Murata and Michael Quinn. They do their show every single Monday as well. Just search OVP or Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, and you can subscribe to them as well every single Monday. They're the northern version of BTT, slightly classier, a little bit more professional, and uh, definitely some some guys you should check out as they cover the uh, north side of the Mason-Dixon line, if you will. So, Harper, this uh, promo of the week, again, I got it from Mike Crockett, and it is Corporal Kirshner, who is allegedly coked up. Yeah, I remember him too. He is allegedly coked up and fed up with all the Mexicans flowing over the American border in this out-of-control Oregon Wrestling Federation promo. Uh, that just is pretty nuts. So, uh, and the title of this on YouTube is Kirshner Wants More Coke and Less Mexicans. It's a minute long. <laughs> it's a minute long. Let's listen to Corporal Kirshner right here. Well, 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 it's time to talk to the mindless mass again. That's right, the people of Oregon. What can I expect? Well, you know, all you people come up to me and wonder, what did the corporal do before he was a soldier? You know what I did? I was in animal control. That's right, when you wanted to get rid of Spot, Fluffy, and Lassie, I was the guy who did it. Yeah, that's right, they met the gas chamber. You know, I kind of like that job, but this one pays better. Now, talking about eliminating and exterminating, ha, wet back, that's right. The master of disaster eliminates problems like Mexicans, lettuce pickers that are unwanted. Animals are wanted, and neither are wetbacks while you're looking at the man who took care of both of them. Ricky Santana, I gotta give you credit, man. The lot of intestinal fortitude getting back in that ring. Wow, wow, wow. What was it like when I cracked that neck again, big boy, huh? Ricky Santana, it's not the thrill of the kill. It's the thrill of the chase, and pretty soon I'm going to get tired of you, and you're going to be like Spot Lassie and Fluffy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Any thoughts, Harper? America. <laughs> Was he, he like, out? Wasn't he like the American hero gimmick, like the Sergeant Slaughter? Because, because I remember he came in when uh, Slaughter left to go do GI Joe. Did he? Yeah, he he he. When when uh, Slaughter left to go do the whole GI Joe thing, they they brought him in, and he he was in WrestleMania two. I think maybe three. I know he was in two. Yeah, he was. Shit. Uh, I didn't remember was, that. Yeah, like he was the he he was the American hero, you know, soldier uh, guy when when uh, Slaughter left, and that's weird seeing him like that because he was always kind of like the like the Slaughter and the uh, 
the hacksaw gimmick, you know, USA, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and, he's, and he's, screaming, he... he's screaming about Mexicans. <laughs> You're right. Killing he dogs. Came... <laughs> killing dogs. <laughs> Uh, he did come in in uh, WrestleMania 2. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. 1986 is when he came into WWF. I honestly did not remember this at all. Yeah. I still got his little his, his, his toy somewhere. The little fucking not, rubber not, he, guy. He didn't have an LJN figure, did he? Yeah. He I did? I still got it somewhere. Uh-huh. Do you still have all your LJNs? I have a few. Like, I know... I got uh, Beefcake, uh, Beefcake, The Hammer. I got Big John Studd still hanging around. I got uh, George Steele and the uh, Corporal guy. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's the only ones I still have hanging around. But I used to have, like, Bundy and uh, The Sheik and uh, Nikolai. And, uh, oh, I got Bruno San Martino, too. I should have recovered mine from my mom's house after Katrina. I I didn't. Uh, I remember going down there, and I don't know why I did not pick them up. I mean, they were yeah. fucking filthy and stinking from flood water. But uh, I wish I would have fucking like grabbed them and at least tried to preserve them and clean them off. Because yeah. like I, I I didn't have a bunch of them. All I had was Hogan, Iron Sheik. Dude, he was that. so hard to find, bro. Hogan. I know, yeah, yeah. I had it, I had him in the chic. I think I had Andre. I can't remember. I think I had Andre. Yeah, I didn't have a lot made, of them, though. Uh, they made two types of Hogan's. They had the original one with the yellow and all, and then uh, later on there was another one where he was wearing white and red. I think I had the original. Yeah, I think I had. The, I think I had the yellow one, and then I had the the big Hogan doll. That you'll pull I the strength or something? No, 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 not the soft one. Like the fucking, like, I don't know how to do it. was like, like the 12 plastic inches one. high or something? Yeah, the big, big motherfucker. He yeah, was plastic uh-huh. and made of rubber or whatever. That, yeah. You know, you don't remember I put that on the mothership page one day? Uh, we, we, uh, me and my buddies in the seventh ward, we blew that motherfucker to smithereens, man. <laughs> we, we, we strapped so many M80s fucking, uh, and bought black cats around him. One day we we like we're trying to just just you know how you just fuck around you dude yeah. we grew up in the eighties man we we needed shit to entertain ourselves we didn't have the internet and all that so we were outside farting around and we we I remember we started with just trying to like do little stuff like we we drilled the hole in them and then like put a firecracker and then tried to blow them up and it didn't really yeah. do a lot but and then we I think by the time it was over bro we probably strapped the like. 50 to 60 of them M80s around him. Uh, uh, we blew his ass to pieces. That's nice. <laughs> that's classy. <laughs> uh, man, still- I wish I, I still had him. Uh, anyway. I still got some mans <laughs> hanging around, too. Uh, Yeah, I lost all mine and Katrina. Didn't have a lot, but I lost them all. They were all that shit was at my mom's house. I didn't, I, didn't, I, I should have grabbed that shit and recovered it. And I didn't. I don't know why I didn't Should've when I went had. down there. Yeah, I was just stupid. But uh, 
Anyway, man, I think that's almost going to wrap things up as me and Hopper talk about take a uh, trip down memory lane with action figures and shit. Remember, become a patron. It's tinyurl.com slash patreonbtt. Great way to get extra content and all the extra stuff we do on this show. And also, don't forget to use the Amazon referral link, tinyurl.com slash bttamazon. Another great way to support this show. Look, if you can't afford becoming a patron, we understand. But with the Amazon referral link... If you're already shopping on Amazon, you can use that link and purchase anything that you would normally be buying on Amazon, and the show gets a little bit of small money in return. So please use it. Again, tinyurl.com slash Amazon. Give it to the wives, girlfriends, and side pieces in your life, or whoever you're banging. We really don't care. But uh, you use it and give it to all your family members as well and tell them to use it. And it's, like I said, a great way to support the show. Next week, we got part two with Bruce Mitchell. So hopefully you will uh, enjoy that, and hopefully you enjoyed part one this week. Right? Right now, uh, again, I want to thank some of the Hall of Fame patrons, Brian Evans, J.B. Bryant, uh, Chris Meyer, Josh Fields, Judson Edwards, Bill Salsa, Ray Moore, Tony Miller, at SPAC Face, C. Brown, and K underscore Row 86, Missile Johns 18, Spyboard Sports Cap, Merciless Jones, Disrespectfully Classy, Marky Blassie, JMM 7530, DR 1851, Rube 1452, Frog Zeppelin, R. Smith 9000, Big Rich, Jesse Lucas, Joe Ice, Mike uh, Prolu, or MPRU83, Alice, Ari Miller39, Justin underscore Andretti, J Shiny21, Natural Hacksaw, Thin Man Within, Slider91, US, 49er Dodger, USC, Gerald Green III, Teog94, SV Pageant, Martin House 71, Tim Arecci, Coleman 82, Gobbled Unreal, Unconvinced Ray. Wow, that was a breath I need to take now. But anyway, Hopper, you got Wildcat stuff you got to plug? Bruh, October 6th, Revolution Rumble. Mizla, right? Yeah, it's. They're gonna have the uh, the uh, street fight with uh, Luke and Shane, and and uh, Seaver Richards is gonna be the special guest ref. Yeah, do me a favor. Tell Shane Douglas to go fuck himself when you see him for Why? Actually, I'll do it. I ain't got no shame. Nah, that bastard hung up on me. Fuck him. Well, you're an asshole. Yeah. I guess I can be sometimes. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, we're gonna get ready to get out of here. You heard Hopper. Go check out Wildcat Sports. Hopper, hit the tagline. Take us home. Fuck it, bitch.